got a problem here And it's more than just Alvin's dream and Punisher When life begins to suck, who's reporting it? Luckily, got two friends who you won't forget Coming live, Alvin and friend on survival Laughing non-stop, case drops on a cycle Louder than intrusive thoughts off an iPhone How they make the world seem bright with the lights off? It might as well stay up Lies being told like that dinosaur BS Magnifying glass to the ground if they don't see us Having the time roasting your favorite pizza Bougie ain't an option, it's the way Take it to the grave, add moving to the place You already know when they take the case Laugh the pain away, it's affirmative murder Affirmative murder live on, I can hear. But go ahead. Affirmative murder live from crime Don't interrupt me again Affirmative murder live from crime con 2020 What year is it? 23? 24 24? Yeah. No, you're wrong. Is it? No, it's 23. We're living in the year 3000. Uh, uh, we are here uh, to come reporting live from CrimeCon. It is uh, a fever pitch, if you will. It's the first day. Very excited to see what comes at us to uh, on this uh, evening, summer evening. I don't know. What's the, what, what, what time is it, friend? This is fall, brother. So it's fall. It's yes. fall, brother. Uh, and I'm very excited. It as I, as, <laughs> as I look around, there's so many people. Uh, this is a lot more tame than other ones we've been to. I'm not really seeing any costumes, no ears, um, things of that nature. It feels like this is very grown uh, adult time, Crime Con. Uh, but um, uh, what, what are your initial thoughts of Crime Con as we've set up at our booth and are uh, starting to report live France? This one seems more lively, I think, than the past two years on day one. You don't say. I think I it's, it's 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 just more. I think it's a lot more going on. There's a lot of cameras. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of cameras. Yeah. A lot of professional things. Yes, happening. more. There's there's more. Um, I think there's been an uptick on networks. There's a lot yes, of networks yes, here. Yes, 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 yes. The networks are out in full effect. Um, I've, I've spoken to a nice lady from Tenderfoot TV. She might be stopping by to talk to us a little bit later um, about a very interesting, very rare disease that's affecting Black people kind of silently that I, I'd hmm. never heard of. That okay. She says both of her children. Um, ha have been diagnosed with, and she's now going around and speaking about it. I would love to hopefully get a chance to talk to her in a little bit. That would be really cool. But uh, yeah, uh, CrimeCon 2023. Yes, Fran? Yes. 2023. Super excited. Uh, great time to uh, live and be alive. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Now I'm rambling. But uh, for anybody who is not here, get here. I guess you know you know it's not really possible because when this comes out we'll already have done it and it's it'll be yeah, over. It's over. We're back yeah, home. Sorry, so uh, that don't uh, uh, ignore that advice and come next year because we'll probably be here unless there's an issue. Do you want do you want to get into the drama? We can. Uh, yeah, uh, we can go there. Yeah. So Fran and I were almost homeless yesterday. Uh, we got here and the hotel couldn't find a reservation, and they really the uh, what is this name? I want uh, the World Center Marriott. I'm sure on a regular day is a great hotel. When there's things happening, utter chaos, no stars, not even <laughs> one star, not one and a half stars, no stars for this place. Uh, they did not know where our room was and couldn't give less of a shit. For two, didn't care. For two young black men trying to make a way, I don't want to make it racial because <laughs> it wasn't that serious. But they couldn't find a. It could have been. It could have been if yeah. they would have been like, well, I, we can't solve it and uh, go fuck yourself. Yeah. We almost thought we were going to have to sleep on the curb. Thankfully, it didn't it go. It was. Almost reality at the like it, I thought we were gonna be on the street. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a overnight. Real, I've never uh, been on the precipice of homelessness before. We was close, and so I can't imagine like when it's when it's really like that. Yeah, what people go through because I really you know we're in a, another city. Yeah, it's another state, and the person's that going. You don't have a bed tonight. It was like pursuit of happiness. Yes, it felt very. I felt very Will Smith. You are Jaden Smith in this scenario. Um, I I'm felt, the trout. Cool. All right, I felt like I'll take Will, that. I felt like Will. I felt like Will. If I, oh, he has some. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. 
Welcome to CrimeCon 2023. That mic, is, that mic is live. Please, please pick, please, please pick the mic up. Thank you. Hi, Hello, yes. your name? I'm Glynis. Glynis? Yep. Wow, what is the origin of that? Is that Scottish? It is a Smashing Pumpkin song. Glynis is a Smashing Pumpkin song. Yep. So your parents are hmm. like, My mom like grunge? was like 19 and a little bit grungy. I like it. Um, and that is the origin of the name. Gl <laughs> Glynis, what brings in your, and you and your friend? Haley. What brings you and Haley to CrimeCon this year? Well... Uh, we are true crime girlies. Sure. Of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. As many of the attendees are. Yeah. Um, and additionally, uh, I kind of tangentially, uh, my great work word. is related. Great word. Great word. Great word. Great word. To some true crime. I'm a fire engineer. Okay. So, like. Wait, I, what is that? What does that mean? So it could be. Like, I was gonna pretend and just let her. No, that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. It's I like, don't know. It, most you build people, fires. No. Okay. I, everything okay. to prevent the fires okay or after a fire happens so you like go to this you're like this was a arson you could be yeah okay yeah, okay yeah. That, yeah. that like falls under the big umbrella okay I personally haven't like i'm not gonna claim to have done a ton of that okay I'm, i have worked a lot on like the building design side from okay the, from the front side mm -hmm. sure um but Haley does have a job in the crime world in the true crime world yeah uh, i'm a medical legal death investigator whoa 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 okay <laughs> Whoa, breaking news. There will be bombs dropped right here. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> bombs dropped. Okay, so you are a medical, say it again? Uh, medical legal death investigator. And that's like, you go to the crime scenes. Yeah, so and I work for the medical examiner's office. And then your job is to do what? Um, so I am like a liaison between our pathologists and law enforcement. Okay, so you're like, if this is Criminal Minds, you're AJ. Have you seen Criminal Minds? Yes, not in a while. Okay, well, she comes in and she's like, here's the, this, the, here's the folders before they go to do the job. Kind of, yes. Like, I here, let me break report. it down to so, you like, so you know what's going on on the ground. To death to me. If it's a case, I'll, like, take all that information, write a report, go out to the scene, document the scene, bring the body back to the office, and then... Oh, you handle the body? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, okay, so what uh, What was your first... Oh, wait, wait, you can hold the mic, just in case our arm's getting tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to... I'm sorry to... <laughs> Please, yeah. Okay. Please, please take one if you would like. I'm sorry to put you to work like that. Yeah. Haley, you can hold your own microphone. Thank you. Don't do that to your friend. Um, so, what was your first experience slash your crazy ex experience? Was there a, a, a scene you showed up to where you started to second guess your, guess your decision in the career that you chose? Um, no, it's a lot of compartmentalization. So, like, my job stays at work, and my personal life is my personal life. So. Wow. Now. I get weak need and queasy at the sight of blood. So do you think that there is something different in your brain than in my brain? And brain, friend, you also get queasy as well? I do, yes. Yeah, so when you say compartmentalize, you make it sound so easy, but you're holding a body. Yeah. And you just go, well, that's work, and I leave it at work. But me, I pricked my finger one time to see if I had high blood pressure, and it still haunts me to this day. So what is it that you have that uh, somebody else doesn't have? I mean, the brain's a weird place. So sure. Like, just have you always I been like a... It's definitely a skill, though, right? A broken right? bone doesn't, if you see a, a bone poking out of the skin as a kid, you're uh, just like, let me help. No, I mean, I'd never been to a funeral, never seen a dead body until I started this job. So I think it's just something that your brain is set up to work that way or it's not. Like, we've had several people at our office that, like, got into it, realized it wasn't for them, and left shortly after they started. So I think it just the way a brain processes things. <laughs> is, it, is it just because it's your job where you can go, like, this is my job, and I do this. This is why I can compartmentalize yeah, it. Yeah, it absolutely would be different if I like knew the person. But right. like sure. when I'm there, I don't know this person any differently. There's no emotional so attachment to it, right? Yeah, but okay. if it's somebody that I knew, it'd obviously be a lot harder for me to do my job. For right. sure. Right. Yeah. Haley. 
Glenn, if I knew, and I knew it. I didn't. I, I didn't want to be. You didn't want to. I didn't want to not be confident and say it, and it was wrong. You know. Yes. We, we hope you guys welcome. That is our job. That's why they keep us by the front door. We welcome people. <laughs> yeah, we are the red carpet rollout, and uh, yeah, we hope you guys have a great time. Haley, Glennis, thank you guys so much. Thank we'll you, see you guys you. around. Keep go, go take some laps, have a good time, make a way, go do, find a way, place it down gently. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. <laughs> that was Haley and Glennis. Yes. Uh, I still didn't really get what a fire engineer was. She kind of moved on from. I that. thought she meant she drove the truck. That's why I went along. Fire with engine. That makes sense she's a fire engine. She drives, She sits on the back. She drives the back. Uh, yeah. She turns the back wheel. I looked at it like a fire engineer. Like I'm a like I'm a wagoneer or I'm a cheerleader. Like I'm a fire engineer. Yeah. Like she cheers for the fire engine. I too thought that's where it was. Oh, I didn't think that. I also thought she built fires. That sounds crazy. What does that mean? An arsonist. So shout All out right. to shout out to Haley and Glennis. Uh, more. Coming from CrimeCon 2023 in just a brief moment, we need to take a break because Fran needs to pee really badly. Stay tuned. Excuse me, hi. Hi. Uh, one, I see your badge, and I also see that there's FBI all over your badge. Yes. Um, might I ask you what you're doing here at CrimeCon? Yes, I am. Could you pick up this microphone? I would love to talk to you briefly, if you have time. Yes, I do. Hello, hi, I'm Alvin. You are? I'm Jerry Williams. I'm a retired FBI agent who has a podcast called FBI Retired Case File Review. Yes. I've been doing it for almost eight years, 300 episodes, and I only interview retired FBI agents. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Sherry, so what, what, what was your specialty when you were in the FBI? I was a fraud and corruption agent. So all of my cases, I worked Ponzi schemes, advanced fee frauds, telemarketing fraud, uh, embezzlement, things yes. like that. What are your thoughts on uh, Bitcoin? Um, Bitcoin? Scam? Scam. Scam. <laughs> <laughs> you know why it's a scam for me? Because I don't know anything about it. And if you don't know anything about something, don't invest in it. That's brilliant Sound advice. advice. What, what have been some of the most interesting um, fronts that you've come across as far as, you know, a scheme, a uh, multi-market, multi-level marketing scheme, anything any, anything that really you came across well, you know in your what? career? I that don't think it needs to be exotic. Sure. To be a good con. Absolutely. It has to be the person itself. If they are charismatic yes. and they can just convince somebody to do something that normally they wouldn't do. Yes. Like give somebody all of their life savings. Absolutely. That's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be fancy. I think that that's absolutely brilliant. So what, what uh, once you retired, what brought you into podcasting? Hmm. Well, I started writing books. Okay. Crime novels and I have a couple of nonfiction. Okay. And I was looking for a way to find readers. Yes. And so I thought, well, I'll do the podcast. And the podcast has taken off. Yes. You know, so 10 million uh, downloads and, wow. you know, a lot, 300 episodes. Yeah. I still write books. Absolutely. But I, um, people probably know me more as a podcaster than they do as an author. Okay. I think that that's super amazing. Um, FBI-wise, uh, when did you get in? A long time ago, 1982. And what was the demographic of the FBI the when you came in? Yeah, so you know I, where you yeah, know where yeah, I'm going, I, Sherry. I know exactly you know, where you're Sherry, going. Sherry, so, you know yeah, where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. So it's Jerry. 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 Oh, Jerry. <laughs> wow, Jerry. Oh my yes. God. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's okay. I just I I thought I heard Jerry. I was like, no, because Jerry's a, a more masculine name in my experience. So yeah. that's my apologies, Jerry. No problem whatsoever. So when I came in, there were about maybe. 
African-American agents in the FBI, yeah. there was 0.5% women. Wow. So I was like number 23, the 23rd black female agent wow. in the FBI. But nowadays that has almost doubled. Yeah. And now there's about 5%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She said double. I thought, yeah, great. Thought, yeah, yeah. It's from double from three. Yeah, 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 it's double from three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been hovering about 5% African American agents, FBI agents in the FBI for years. Yeah. And, you know, I do my part trying to encourage yeah. uh, people to join or to even look at for it. For sure. And for some reason, I don't know why the number hasn't increased. That's where I was going to mm -hmm. go. I was like, what do you. Do you think it, it's a, is it a boys club? Is it is it a? Like, I think the perception is that it, it it is. Yeah. But it's a great job opportunity. I mean, the starting salary is seventy eight thousand, and by the time you've been in for three or four years, you're you're working, you're making over a hundred thousand dollars. And I know it's not about all about money. Right. Yeah. But, but it, I mean, it is that, sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. you know, somebody who doesn't hurt. <laughs> doesn't hurt. <laughs> But, you know, it's a great job, yeah. with which a very necessary job. Yes. I mean, we uphold the Constitution, and you know nowadays how important it is to have somebody doing that. Jerry, you are absolutely right that that's yeah. incredibly important. Jerry, one more time, could you plug your podcast for me? Yeah, the name of my podcast is FBI Retired Case File Review. Jerry, it's been an absolute pleasure. Nice thank to you, have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for thank stopping you. by. Bye -bye. CrimeCon 2023. Uh, I am here with... S. Monique Smith. One more time. S. Monique Smith. S. Monique Smith. What do you prefer to go? What you, Monique? Monique. Mo? Yep. Monique. Monique. Mo? Monique. Monique. Monique, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, I see that you have a speaker badge on. Um, yes. What are you here for? I'm the longest living Jane Doe. Um, I turn individuals into instant advocates with my book and documentary. I remind the world that all missing children aren't dead. Yes. I'm listed on the National Center of Missing Spoiled Children. Wow. I am missing child number 120-1298. And I have been campaigning for well over 20 years to discover that I had actually been missing for 50 because I was 15? 50. 50 years? 50 years. No one believed this story. And I kept saying that the family who raised me was not my family. And I lived a horrific life. I mean, I was beat every day as a child. I was molested, wow. raped, you name it. You know, it was just a tragedy and I kept saying I met with so much more yeah I met you know I saw my friends I watched television I had crayons and you know great imagination so why am I being treated the way that you were being treated, treated the way yeah. I am but it was under the guise of of family it wasn't right. a so the S. Monique Smith that I introduced myself as is yes. a fake name so even as of today I am living under false identity <laughs> And I'm still working every single day to kind of change that. Wow. So it's really been it's really been a struggle. Um, I'm in all the DNA portals like Ancestors.com, yeah. 23andMe, and there's a registry called NamUs yeah. okay. for deceased people, which means that they get DNA from individuals that bodies are found in abandoned homes, under park benches, crime scene where no one wants to be a part of it. Yeah. They actually work with uh, putting their information in a portal okay. in hopes of me one day being matched with someone. Yeah. So, a uh, question to you. Uh, did you ever find your family? Or? Yeah, I actually never gave up on myself or my children. I'm a mother of four and I didn't want to die with nothing on my tombstone yeah. or at least a fake name. Yeah. Because once I did get the information from school records and the Department of Social Service, there was an inconsistency 
across the board. One yeah. was born in 66, 67, 68. Yeah. One said I was born, you know, May and April. One said I was Hispanic. Wow. So I had gathered a multitude of documents that she had falsified to hide the story. And ironically, um, it was just a false sense of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I wrote a book. It's called I Am the Ancestor Before I Die. I'm going to share my story. Yes. Because I couldn't even prove that my own children were my children. Yeah. Without a birth certificate. So I could never travel. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't prove my children were my children. And I kept pursuing it. And eventually, um, I was helping other families like Relisha Rudd, Keisha Jacobs' mom, um, in D.C., in Virginia, myself. Yeah, we're from Baltimore. Families. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And after working for so, so, so long, my DNA was pulled from CC, by C.C. Moore out of Ancestors.com and 23andMe. Okay. They did like a cocktail. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they did take a DNA. And they found this woman who was looking for the death certificate of a one-year-old baby sister. So it wound up being you. I was the baby. Wow. And our mother had passed away at 34. I don't know really much of the story. Yeah. Everything is still unfolding live. That's yeah, for sure. Right. This just happened. Um, and what I mean, never give up. Once Oprah and, you know, Ellen, no one called me back. And I was spending thousands of dollars. Yeah. I got my own film crew. Got yep. my own team together. Yeah. And my documentary That's is called amazing. The Longest Living Jane Doe. And it premiered in theaters. I mean, I went on tour independently. Not having a clue <laughs> <laughs> about directing. You made it work, yeah. though. Yeah. You made it work, though. You got you know, out there and you did it yourself. I, I built, you know, so much for my children's legacy out of absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like, not even a name. Yeah. Like, literally that's, not even a name. That's, a, that's wow. amazing. So, yeah. So, that I'm is, excited. So, now, at the end of this interview, you said with two minutes, I can officially say that my name is Simboli Ruffin. Wow. Yeah. Hey, not the money. I mean, yeah. I was, you know, yeah. You know, I'm going to do my research. So I was trying to figure out, is there any money? <laughs> not that I need it because I actually um, run a construction company in the city of Baltimore. Okay. Know, get underground wow. until he's coin and get the <laughs> message out to the people. Thank you so much for yeah. stopping by. Have thank hope. you. Never Incredible story. Uh, and thank you so much. Thank really you. appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. Back again, reporting live from Crime Cost 2023. We have been hit with an onslaught. It has been a crazy. Probably about a 30 minute stretch, friend, I would say. Uh, we've met a lot of awesome listeners. Uh, Shakita, longtime listener, hit the table. Hopefully, she's coming back. We would love to talk to her for a bit. Um, we've had a, a, a wonderful litany of uh, amazing people stop by, uh, and it's been quite a time. Friend, how is Crime Con going for you so far? You got to speak up to because I can't, I can't hear you. How is Crime Con <coughs> going for you so far? Hey man, I'm not deaf, man. I'm just saying I can't hear you. have headphones Don't on. Don't attack me. You have headphones Don't on. Don't attack me. No, you people. brought headphones talking about, I just want to check the levels. I told and then you. you to, wear, I t- you've I been t- wearing the headphones I told you to also, this whole time. Now, can I, you hear me? I told you to also bring headphones. Don't unplug them. We don't have a double Answer we don't have a double headed jack. How are you enjoying the Crime Con? No, how am I supposed to hear if I brought my headphones? Just take them. You wear them. Thank you. <laughs> such a child. I appreciate that, man. You're a good man. You're a good man. Whatever. Answer the question. What was the question again? How are you enjoying CrimeCon? I am enjoying CrimeCon right now. It's The crowd has been dying down a little bit. I think there may be uh, some type of show going on. Yeah, there's on. like an event happening, I think. Yes, and then when that ends, the onslaught will continue, for sure. Yeah, uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been quite a time. We've had some cool people stop by. Promises of some very interesting conversations to come. Yes. Um, looking forward to those. If they come to fruition or not, we shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, there are rumors that uh, one uh, Schmancy Schmace may be making an appearance soon. Here? Um, at the table? Uh, at the uh, the main stage. Oh, okay. I thought um, you had like so something surprises. I might try to cut through the security to try to okay. get an interview, but based on how the security if is this year. If you get body year, slammed, then I don't know. Yeah, I would say based on how the security is this year, that might not be a great idea. They've been yeah. very uh, intense. I think the president I've been, I've been chest stopped several times with yes. palms on my chest. Like, this is a restricted area. Then I got to, you know, flash the creds, and they part like the Red Sea. You feel me, friend? Yeah. Uh, but uh, CrimeCon 2023, it's been a great time so far. Uh, this we're just doing a check in. Uh, we're gonna check in again in a little bit. Uh, sorry for the kerfuffle that Fran and I got into, but you know it, it go like that sometimes. It, sometimes it bees like that, right? You know, Fran. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna tell you more about what's going on at CrimeCon. So stick around, CrimeCon Live 2023. CrimeCon 2023. We are here live, and we are talking to our neighbor, who is sitting. To the left of us. Yes. Please introduce yourself to uh, everyone. Yeah. Brand included in myself. Hi, I'm. My name is Madison McGee. I have a podcast called Ice Cold Case. Yes. I am investigating my dad's murder uh, from 21 years ago. Wow. Um, did you know your dad personally? Yes. Okay. I had a relationship with my dad, but he was murdered when I was six, so it was cut short. Wow. Um. Did you understand the circumstances of that at the time, or is this something that happened later and got your journey started? That's a fun question. Um, yeah, when I was six, my family told me that my dad had a heart attack and passed away, and so that's how I processed that information. Yes. And then when I was 16, I found out that my dad was murdered, and that By sort of, of um, intuition, believe it or not, yeah. Mm. And I talk about that on my podcast. I literally had a gut feeling that something happened. And I asked my mom very specific questions about my dad's death that I didn't even really understand. I just was asking questions that were coming to my head. Yes. And my mom was like, I have to tell you something. And then told me the truth. And so, yeah, I had to like reprocess and then... A few years after that, I went to college and like sort of formed a personality and then started diving into the case files. And that's when I realized like not only was my dad murdered, it's very layered and yeah. it's very complicated. And there are a lot of interesting, suspicious details about this. Sure. And so that's when I started the podcast. So how, um, how was the experience just when you figure out what actually happened? How was that processing that and then trying to cope with that information? And then was it people around you that help you with like your mom to help you deal with the whole thing? And I have a pretty tumultuous relationship with family. Okay. Um, I always say like my friends are my family and okay. really have been for a long mm -hmm. time. So um, I processed a lot of it on my own. Um, I was at a very like pivotal point in my life. I was graduating high school and moving to college. So even relying on friends that I had known my whole life, we were all separating and like going to different places for school right, and right. like going off on our like new journeys. And so I had to process all of this information at the very beginning of that. And yeah. so and what year is this? Uh, 2012. Yeah. Okay. At a okay. young age as well. I mean, that's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. totally. So yeah, yeah, it was very difficult. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I'm even remotely normal. Is anyone here normal? I don't know. <laughs> Everybody's a little off. Um, now, the catharsis of working to 
solve? Is that your objective? My objective is to solve. Um, my objective is not justice in the traditional sense because I don't know if that's possible. Sure. And so I've gone into it with like, as realistic expectations as possible. I am in control of whether or not I find out new information and solve this case. I am not in control of a police department gathering evidence and a prosecutor's office taking it to trial. Getting a conviction. So would that be nice? Absolutely. But if I can go to bed at night going, I know who did it. I know why they did it. I know how they did it. I will feel better. Yes. And could you speak to the release, if you've had any, of emotions in covering your own father's murder and being an investigator on it? And also, is it difficult to remain objective? Sure. Um, yeah, so it's been a wave of emotions. I, I feel like I haven't felt the release yet. Sure. Um, it's almost gotten worse. And I think the, the bigger the podcast becomes, the harder it gets because there's so much more pressure now of making the show and putting out information and becoming a personality and all of these weird things that come with it that were sort of like, I don't know, consequences of doing what oh, yeah. I'm doing we but could, we could we could get into that too yeah but it's I'm let you finish your question that's a whole yeah thing. it's yeah. very weird um and yeah so but on the other side of it um yeah I I do feel like better and I feel like I'm making a difference um and I forget the second half of your question now but the objectivity aspect. oh yes okay yes 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 I was like I'm going somewhere with this yeah. um where did they calendar objectivity I <laughs> I feel that I have remained fairly objective considering the circumstances. Sure. I do believe I am biased for obvious reasons, but I have remained very pragmatic in how I look at this. I think it's helpful that my dad died when I was so young, which gives me a unique lens to view the characters involved and the circumstances and the environment that make me a little bit more objective than other people if their dad was murdered when they were 21, 22. Yeah. However, it's still my dad right. and I'm still very emotional about it. And so it's I, I think I toe that line, but I try to remain as objective as possible. For example, in season one, which just finished, you don't really know what I think happened until episode nine. And I make it super clear that like everything else is, I interviewed this person, this is what they told me. And then I heard this and I pieced this together and then this happened. And then in episode nine, I'm like, all right, this episode is what I freaking think. Like, this is what I think happened. This is what I believe. This is where all of this has led me. And I go for it, but I make it really clear that that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So I try to make it clear when I have those moments of like subjectivity, like this is an opinion or this is what I'm thinking or where I'm at today. Yeah. And then when I'm not doing that, the rest of the time I try to be super objective. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good way to get the right amount of emotion into it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now, uh, back to what you had kind of alluded to. The aspect of notoriety or celebrity from attempting or creating content surrounded around attempting to solve your father's murder. Is that weird? 
And yeah. how do you process somebody telling you that they're a fan of yours from what you're doing? Um, so, it's funny. I pretend, I like disassociate in my head. I pretend when they say that they're a fan of me that they mean my personality. <laughs> and that they, story that they think that. I'm yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh my God, thanks. <laughs> like, you think I'm funny? Yeah. That's so cool. I'm like, let's get a picture. Like, but I pretend it has nothing to do with, with, my what, dad. with, with what you do. <laughs> That's a good way to do it because it, it is a strange one, you know, because like as a person who makes content, but I have no connection to it in that regard, it is easier to assume that they like a joke I made or sure. something or whatever it is. But when you're so connected to the story, it, I could imagine it would be weird for somebody to come up and tell you how much I love you or like, it's yeah. weird, like you're the best. It's no, like, it's weird. I, I was at a wedding a couple weeks ago and I was standing at the bar and I always say some people um, have like a podcast voice and then they have like their real voice. But my podcast voice is my real voice. Sure. So I was at the bar at a wedding and I was ordering a drink and this girl looked at me kind of funny and I was like I don't know like did I say something wrong and she goes oh my god I listened to your podcast like I feel like I know you and I was like oh you don't because that's a super normal thing to say <laughs> I feel like I know you stranger and then you said I said what's your name <laughs> I'm Madison. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, and it is funny because the number of people who say that is becoming more and more and they're people I've never met before. And then recently I was with friends from high school and they were like, yeah, I listen to your podcast and you talk about all this childhood trauma. They've known me my whole life. And they're like, I didn't even know any of that happened to you because that's not my personality. Um, and they were like, wow, it was so crazy that like, I didn't know you went through all of that. Like that's so, that's wild. But it's because, like, I've never made that my personality. For sure. Um, and so it's, like, it's just funny to me that, like, the people who have known me my whole life have no idea that all of this Nothing. has happened. Yeah. And the people who know all about my childhood trauma are like, we're your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I know you. Yeah. And everything about your most intimate, personal, <laughs> yeah. secret thing right. that you've gone through. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, uh, one final thing. I don't want to take up all your time. No, this uh, is fun. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's super fun. So as a person who is in the space creating but has an attachment to it obviously your mission is very personal but what would you say as you go into season two you grow maybe you maybe you find a, a voice in this space and you find a lane in this what would you say would be your pivot like your mission statement obviously you're you know trying to find out what happened to your dad but is there a bigger uh, mission to be drawn from that that you could tell to people in your situation because I don't know if you know this but most people here that make content it's not personal for them. it's like a I don't want to say it's a business but it is it like is for most people they're able to dissociate and detach because they're not attached sure so as somebody I think that people like you and Sarah Turney and there you know a lot of people that are in the space who have skin in the game if you will what is your mission statement beyond ice cold case yeah, no, that's a great question. I think um, as a television producer turned sort of true crime podcaster, um, I know how to make compelling content. And I now know how deeply personal this can be and feel and how weird 
even I feel like I don't belong in these spaces because it's my own story, which is ironic wow. in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, so I would love to... I, I had agency over my own story because of my career skill set. So there are people, and I could imagine how I would feel if that wasn't true for me, if I didn't know how to make a podcast and I wasn't a TV producer, but I had this story that I wanted to get solved. Like, how would I feel? I would feel helpless. And I would feel like there's no one who could listen to me because I don't know what to do. Like, there's, it's like that thing where, like, you don't know where to go from here. Yeah. So if I can create that opportunity for other people from particularly underrepresented communities whose stories don't fit the perfect victim mindset. It's so easy to fall in love with these stories when you feel like the person didn't deserve to die. And I think that there are people who would argue that my dad does not fall under that category. Wow. And so finding people, and people have reached out, oh, my sister was a sex worker and she went missing. And then they found her body and no one cared because, well, she got what was coming to her or whatever the narrative is. For and sure. so if I can provide family members some reprieve, maybe answers, maybe it's just they want their story out there so that other people are at least talking about it. Yes. Maybe they want to go as far as to solve the case. I now know a little bit about this, so yeah. maybe there's a way for me to help. And so that's something that I, I feel like I've accidentally taken on that responsibility but now there's no way to get rid of it so i think that that's an important role um i think that what you're describing is necessary in a big way because there are people who have stories that need spotlight and sometimes you know what you want a painting to look like but yeah. you can't paint and you know to be somebody who can you know paint a canvas for somebody else's story is important you know because there are a lot of people who just don't know how to put the words together to get people to listen to a story that is absolutely compelling yeah so i think that that's a great mission and i wish you luck on that obviously thank uh, you madison mcgee would you please uh plug your podcast one last time yeah yeah ice cold case you can find us on any platform um all the plats all the plats um we're there just a little google and we'll be right there awesome. yeah Thank you so much for thank your time. You, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Ice cold cases. Ice cold case? Ice cold case. Ice cold case. But maybe cases. Oh. Down the line. Yeah. yeah. Crime Con 2023. Uh, we are reporting live. It has been a day, if you will. Uh, we have been on podcast row for about three or four hours. Fran, uh, how are you feeling? What is your energy level like? And what have been your thoughts of day one so far? Oh, man, my energy level... Um, doesn't have the capacity that you have, so mine is uh, mine is on red. It's blinking, man. Like, I think um, I'm tapping out. In a yeah, second. It's, a, it's about time. To, it's about and, time. Uh, to but reason. other than that, man, we met. We haven't met as many listeners as I would like. But it's only day one. It's, it's only, only day, day one. one. But we've met a lot of new people and a lot of, yeah. of uh, important speakers that's here at the at the crime con. Yeah, so. Fran is never satisfied. I feel yeah. like we've met probably like seven people that listen to the podcast. And yeah. he's like it's not forty. Yeah. So it's not enough. No. We've taken several pictures. It's been a great web. I mean, it's been great. It's been very great for our, for my self-esteem and my ego that somebody knows who our podcast is. But Fran's never satisfied. No. And that's what makes him such a go-getter. Now, no. hello. 
this is this is real happy. This is li <laughs> take this microphone and, and, and give us our praises, our flowers right now. Hello, hi. Hi, how are w you? What's your name? My name is Christy. Hi, Christy. And I think I discovered you because of NPR. Oh, okay. what? <laughs> Terry Gross? <laughs> no, it wasn't Terry Gross. Go ahead. Yeah. So, and I just love you guys. So I listen to you. You're very interesting. You thank you. Thank a you. Take. And I think it's such a needed take. Christy, so Christy, I first of all, guys. thank you so much because we were literally just sitting yes. here and Fran was, you see how you see how the universe works? Fran was just sitting here saying, we haven't met enough people that have that know the show. Yes. And then, and then boom, you come up. And then Christy, boom, <laughs> like an apparition. And my daughter listens with me too. Beautiful daughter. <laughs> is she, what, how, what is she doing in her life? How old is she? She is 14. Beautiful. She wants to be a CSI investigator. Wow. What? Is, is she here? She's not here because it's my birthday weekend. Oh, okay. then again, yeah, <laughs> the kids stay home. It's time for Christy to have Christy time. Yes. Christy, how are you enjoying CrimeCon so far? It has been amazing so far. I've met Heather Ashley. I've heard Paul Holes. I've heard something on Oxygen about a killer I've never heard of, so it was. It's been really great. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Are you hot for holes? I am. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. He gets. He, he I'm gets, not surprised. He gets everybody I'm going. He gets everybody There's going. Just, he's really well spoken. And, and he's, he's brilliant. Smart and he's and, brilliant yeah. and handsome. And yes. he's so well versed in his knowledge. I'm All also a Paul Holes fan. <laughs> uh, uh, Christy, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. It was for great to meet you guys. Listening. Um, I have some stickers in a bag. I didn't put them out because we don't have a lot, and I don't like people taking with their grubby hands. But can I have one? You can absolutely have one. <laughs> Christy, thank you so much. Um, who are you the most excited to uh, see speak here? Uh, um, Paul Holtz. Oh, yeah, sorry, of course. <laughs> Duh. My question is that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. And yes. if you play your cards right, it's possible you could catch him in the lobby and, and have a drink with Paul Holtz. I, He's I would a very love approachable to. guy. Yes. Yeah, he loves whiskey. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, Christy? Good luck enjoying time away from the kids. Yes. Let loose. Have fun. Be free. Be merry. Yes. And be Christy. All right. Uh, thank thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you. And, and uh, enjoy CrimeCon. Thanks. All right. We are here with Dr. Jackson. Dr. Jackson, thank you for stopping by our booth. Uh, we've had some talks before we started recording, obviously. But if you could give people kind of a little bit of your background uh, and what you do and what you're here at CrimeCon to talk about. Okay, hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm a college professor at Purdue Northwest, and I'm also the executive director for the Center for Justice and Post-Exoneration Assistance. I work primarily with folks who've been wrongly convicted for crimes that they did not commit. Yes. We work only on cases of factual innocence. We don't work on any cases where somebody's been wrongly convicted on a procedural error. It's only cases where somebody is locked up for so crimes they, they did not did. do. That's correct. Wow. Because the real people. So it's not like a, um, you just, you know, a technicality or something like that. This is a person that is completely innocent. And, That's and correct. No wrongdoing. That's correct. Wow. That, that is, is correct. heavy work. Um, what's that experience been like and what got you into it? I mean. So about seven years ago, I read an article about a man who was wrongly convicted in Indiana, and that's where I'm from. Yeah. And I couldn't believe what I was reading, you know, happened to this guy. So I called the prosecutor, who's a friend of mine, and I said, hey, is this guy, like, out on a technicality? Or is he really innocent? And he goes, no, he's 100% innocent. And so I said, well, what are you going to do for him? And he said, there's nothing we do for people who've been wrongly convicted. And I was like, wait, what? So wrap your head around this. If you've committed a crime and you get out of prison, there are services for you, like there's parole and there's re-entry efforts. But if you've been wrongly convicted and you're an innocent person, when you get out of prison, you're not eligible for those same services that somebody who committed the crime. Oh, wow. Isn't mm. that crazy? Yeah, that's yeah. insane. It's outrageous. So I was like shocked. 
and I decided that there are things that we need to do in Indiana to make some changes and I started hosting dinners for legislators and said we need to have a compensation bill in Indiana and yes. I'm proud to say two years later I was at the governor's office for a signing of the bill that now people who've been exonerated who were factually innocent yeah. will be eligible to receive money financial but the problem is they can't sue and get compensation because the legislators thought that was double dipping. I don't see it that way. I yeah. think that's unfair because if you and I got into an accident, we have the right to sue. But if you've been victimized by the state, you're, you're kind of screwed, Yeah, you know, which is BS. So what so. about um, uh, when they get out, how do you, are you able to do what you're describing and also fight to get your the, an overturned yeah. Ruling as being, you're labeled a convict, I mean, an ex-convict. Ex I mean. So what happened was uh, People Magazine heard about me, my work, they did a story, and then all of a sudden hundreds of letters came to me from all over the country yeah. saying, we need your help because they thought I actually helped exonerate Mr. Donald, and that's not what I do. I'm a PhD, not a JD. So I helped Mr. Donald post-exoneration, you know, making sure he had a job, making sure just the basics, you know, that he would have some quality of life, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm proud to say he's the project manager at my center. I hired him. So we were able to get some funding from the owner of the Indiana Pacers. He's become a friend of, of me and my work. And he offered, when I, he told me to come to the Pacers office. I showed him all the letters I had from inmates. And he said, I'll help fund you. And the university, Purdue Northwest, also funded yeah. our center. So we actually do a few things, actually more than a few. But one thing we do is we work on lobbying to change laws yes. to help prevent a wrongful conviction of somebody who's innocent. I have um, I you actually... got to go to the center of the problem. Right? Yeah. We, you, you get, listen, my goal is we don't need the center anymore, right? That yeah. is my goal. Um, the other thing we work on is education. Um, I actually just received a grant to do police trainings. So I actually go to police departments and I meet with detectives. They're the ones that we really need to talk to yeah. and explain what leads to a wrongful conviction of somebody who's innocent. And actually I've had one chief of police who has had more wrongful conviction exonerations out of his department than any say thank you and we're going to make some changes which i thought was great yeah. that's the outcome we want yeah, that, yeah. the other thing that's we do mission. is right that's yeah. the mission the other thing we work on is we uh, investigate claims of wrongful conviction so all those letters we my project manager mr donald he goes through them with students my students and they decide this case is worthy of review or this case is a procedural error, so it's not something we're going to handle, or we really think this person committed the crime. Yeah. So I will tell you that's the bulk of our cases. There's only a few that we have taken on that we believe this person is factually innocent. Yeah. Um, and so we work on that, and then obviously one of the big pieces we work on is post-exoneration assistance. Like we were able to get um, a man who spent 25 years in prison for um, uh, a rape, and his um, co-defendant spent 17 years in prison. Um, both are African-American males. Yeah. And um, he's 70. And how can he get a job? How can he? Right. So we found him a job. We, yeah. we actually not just, not only do we find him a job, because you know what? I told him when we met with him, I don't want to just get you a job. I want you to have a job you want. Yeah, Not absolutely. doing maintenance, because that's what you're, you think that you can only do. So we absolutely. were able to get him a job. 
It didn't last long. They said he wasn't producing on the production line fast enough. Well, he's 70. Let's yeah. give him a break. Right. But they fired him. So then we were back to working with him again. One of my students put together his resume. Uh -huh. um, my project manager, who's an exoneree, went with him to uh, job fair yes. and helped with the interviews. We found him a job. He's been at the job for a few months, and he's really happy. So that makes me happy. That's amazing. Yeah, and we work with um, exonerees in like we haven't been able to work in the housing space yet that's one area i need we really need some help on um, but dental work i had an exoneree who who was traumatized as a child uh -huh. needed a tooth pulled and i had to find a dentist to pull that tooth and not charge the guy but we also needed an anesthesiologist because he needed to be knocked out yeah. so that was like the whole thing was like seventy five hundred dollars and we were able to get that done pro bono yeah um we also want to work with we haven't done it yet but with the family members of those who've been you know victimized because they are the forgotten victims absolutely mothers fathers children. have lost so much children yeah. Yeah. you know i published a book last year called the victimology of a wrongful conviction it's a long title it's the victimology of a wrongful conviction innocent inmates and indirect victims and we talk about the children the parents, the siblings, the significant others who have lost so much, particularly the children yeah. and the parents who've lost their life savings. I think I think that that's what you're describing is so brilliant because a lot of times that we get caught up in somebody served the time and then they're released and it's like a celebration and then we kind of move on but nobody that's talks right. about the aftercare of somebody who hasn't been on the streets for yeah. 30 years, yeah. doesn't know the world, hasn't functioned well, I, in society. Well, I always say freedom is never free. Yeah. 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 Freedom is never free. And so I've been a real strong advocate of post exoneration assistance. That is something we just don't do well. Texas, actually, I don't know if you know about this, Andy. I've got Andy Hale with me here who has his own podcast, too. But I don't know if you know, Texas has the best compensation package in the country. And Texas is one of the most conservative states. Yeah. But their compensation package and services to exonerees is stellar it's stellar there's nobody who's going to come out of prison who from my understanding who is factually innocent who's going to be sleeping on a park bench they actually like will give you some money when you're walking out to make sure you have somewhere to go yeah, yeah. um we don't have that in other states at least not in my state so we're working on these things so there's yeah. a lot of things i just testified before the senate um i think that was in march march or april I testified that police should not be allowed to use deception during interrogations. Mm. I'm real, Absolutely. But, but this was only for juveniles. I can't get it to, nobody should Across be lied the to. Board. Here's the deal, if police can't lie to me, why can, you know, why, or, yeah. Yeah, why, why can't I lie to them? To them. You know, yeah. what, what gives them that extra right? Yeah. So these are things I talk about at the police training, but we were able to get this bill, not me, I just testified, but the legislators were able to get that bill passed so police can no longer use deception during custodial interrogations of juveniles, which is a great start. Yeah. But here's something I want you to think about, and very few people, if anybody, I haven't heard anybody talk about this, I spoke to the governor about it, we need to expand that bill to adults with special needs. Wow. You know, what about a 30-year-old who's functioning at a 12-year-old level yeah, or a 13-year-old? Yeah. They're you get exempt. Because it's so, it, it, could just, it could just happen one day unexpectedly. You're, you're caught up in the criminal justice system. And that's what happened to my project manager. He's never been in trouble with the law. It's a long story. Can't even, like, we wouldn't even have time to get into it now. 
Um, but, you know, he spent 24 years in prison yeah. for crimes he didn't, robberies and a murder he never committed. And it was mistaken witness identification. Mm. And he had never been in trouble with the law. Wow. So, I mean, he had traffic violations. Sure, we and all. Yeah. yeah that, we that all ran one of those dumb traffic lights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so that's how I got involved in this space. And it's amazing to see. I met Mr. Donald seven years ago. What we have been able to accomplish in seven years, we are making change in Indiana. Absolutely. We are making a lot of change in Indiana. Um, the governor has been really good to me. He awarded yeah. me um, a Sagamore of the Wabash, which is the highest civilian honor in the state of Indiana. Wow. And then next week, I'm being honored by the Indiana Women for uh, Indiana Commission for Women. They're giving me a Torchbearer Award. I guess I won. Yeah. And it's for it's called the Heart of Indiana category. It's for hope and humanity. So I'm using all this beautiful recognition yeah. to spread the word. I'm also on. You might know this board, um, Reform Alliance. Yeah. Are y'all uh, familiar with that? No. What no. is that? Oh wow, Reform Alliance is a big organization. Um, it's about Meek Mill. Do you guys know Meek? Yeah, Meek Mill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know Meek Mill. Philadelphia. But He's yeah. from Philadelphia. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know who Meek yeah, Mill yeah. was, but when I was invited to sit on their advisory, we, sure. I think we're calling it advisory council now. We switched from board. But anyway, I said, I work with people who've been wrongly convicted. You're, you guys are working with folks who've been rightfully convicted, if that makes sense, people who committed crimes. But they work on probation and parole reform. It's They're an amazing organization. Yeah. We know they're... There's a mass incarceration problem here. Mm -hmm. African Americans are, are disproportionately locked up. Yeah. And, and you get 10 years of probation, and you know, you're, you're gonna, the, the, the parameters of probation are so limiting that you're gonna mess up, yeah. and you're gonna get sent back to prison. It, it, and I think a lot of times, if you get a 15-year-old kid, and you tell them, you wanna do four years in prison, or you wanna do eight years probation, it sounds easier until you're 20 now and you're still on probation and you can't can't lead it can't, can't lead yeah. can't lead the country yeah state. You, you guys should actually i'll connect you guys to some of the folks that reform i think you you would really enjoy listening to the work that they do yeah. they are really big in lobbying to make sure that we protect those who you know who have been incarcerated so when they come out of prison um, you know, that they have help and that their prison sentences aren't, um, you know, unfair. Yeah. Um, you know, just because you, you, you know, not everybody who commits a crime deserves to be in prison for 20, 30 years. Absolutely. And unfortunately, minorities get longer sentences than non-minorities. And so they're doing some great work. Yeah. So I'm really honored and privileged to be part of their, of their, of their world. I'm that, truly that is excited. True, that is yeah. truly amazing. Dr. Yes. Jackson, I, I think that you're doing incredible work. Oh, thank you. Um, and I think that you are like a wind of change. So even though you are located in Indiana, word gets around of the work that you're doing, and I think it's gonna it's gonna help strike you know the chord in somebody else in another state to do the work that you're doing. For sure. I Is hope there so. any other uh, you know organizations that you want to shout out or anything before you know we close I'm, up? I'm on a free a free at last coalition, um, their advisory board, and we are working to abolish slavery um, on, in the Thirteenth Amendment. Absolutely. So we yes. are all about that. Um, we are you know. There's a lot of organizations working to, to remove the clause about involuntary servitude in the yes. 13th Amendment. People think slavery doesn't exist, but I know it does. And it's those who've been incarcerated who, who are now know it forced. Yep. No, they are, you know, they are forced to work, engage in labor and we got to make some changes. Absolutely. So we're working on abolishing that line in every state in this country. Yes. 
So that's what we're doing. That's amazing. Hey. Yeah. Dr. Jackson, thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Amazing work. Thanks so much for having yeah. me. Thank you for stopping by. Thank really you.